know it's summer, but if you're a football fan, like me, one of the biggest events between seasons is the NFL draft. Up, leading up to it, analyst types are talking about who's, who, who every team is going to take, who's going first, who's going early, whatever. And then after it's over, they talk about who everybody took, who went first, who went early, whatever. Not surprisingly, the best players usually go first. The players who were successful in college are the first ones to get picked. This is especially true for the quarterback position, arguably, easily, actually easily, the hardest position on the field. But what is often surprising is that players selected early and first, especially quarterbacks it seems, they don't always become great professionally. And sometimes it's just a transition issue, but sometimes it might be more than that. I've read, you know, sometimes it might be character issues. I've read stories where players are described as eating themselves out of a job or partying themselves off a team, even though they may have been fantastic in college. The thing is, some players think because they were able to get away with certain behaviors in college, they fail to recognize the program actually requires more discipline. And the interesting thing is, when you look at players who actually become great, they're often not the ones who get noticed when they're drafted. As much as I hate to admit it, the best example of this is Tom Brady. Is anybody else tired of watching him win? <laughs> Sounds like it. But when he was actually picked up in the pros, he went in the sixth round, the 199th pick. When he played in college, when he came into the college game, he was the seventh, number seven on the depth chart, the seventh string quarterback. And he was hired as a backup. And there's a lot of great players like that that start up as backups. But when it's their time, they shine. And the thing they all have in common is before they are great, they are faithful. They do the little things. They don't just go through the motions. If they're a backup, fine. They decide they're going to be the best backup they can be, and they're going to study, and they're going to learn, and they're going to work out, and they're going to glean all the wisdom they can from players who have been in the game longer. Those tend to be the ones who become the Hall of Famers. It's similar when we see who God uses for his purposes, who God calls for his purposes. When you look at the Bible, even as you go through the list of, that Melissa went through, God is far more concerned, it seems, with faithfulness than skill or experience when he calls people. And Samuel gives us a glimpse of this in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. A couple of weeks ago, we started going through this book. We saw the faithfulness of Samuel's mother, Hannah, and how she pursued God in prayer, asking him for a son, which she promised to dedicate to the Lord's service. And the Lord gave her Samuel, who we see in today's chapter, serving in his role under Eli the priest. 
As we look at the passage, Samuel's going to teach us some things about who God uses and the result of God doing that in the person's life. Now, it's important to note that before our passage today, we get a deeper sense of why things turn out the way they do in chapter 3. Eli the priest has already received a rebuke from an unnamed prophet in chapter 2. And the reason is because his sons were abusing their position as priests. And they were robbing people's sacrifices, taking beyond the portion that they were allotted by the law, even taking the Lord's portion for themselves. Add to this, they slept with women who served at the tent of meeting, which at best was irreverent promiscuity, though it's quite possible, maybe even likely, that these women were abused by them. Eli rebukes his sons, but he fails to restrain them. And he may have even partaken in the portions of the sacrifice that were robbed from the people's worship. And for this reason, even though the Lord had promised Eli's family that they would minister as priests before him forever, their dishonor has nullified that promise. And instead, the Lord brings judgment on Eli's house. And he tells Eli that people in his line will be cut off from serving in the priesthood. And what's more, they're going to die young in the prime of their life. And Samuel contrasts sharply with Eli and his sons. And how Samuel contrasts shows us the first thing about who God uses for his purposes. Simply put, Samuel is faithful. In chapter 2, we see the contrast sharply stated. Speaking of Eli's sons robbing worshipers, it says in verse 17, The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod, which is what the priests would wear. And then again at the beginning of chapter 3, right after the announcement of judgment on the house of Eli, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. This young boy is ministering more faithfully than his mentor or the long-standing priest, his sons. And this is a recurring theme in Samuel. As God executes his purposes in partnership with people, the job is given not to the person who appears most qualified on the surface. It's not always the person with the best resume, so to speak but to the person whose heart is right before God and serves faithfully out of that. We saw it with Hannah, and we see it now with Samuel, her son. I have a friend who was hired to start a congregation, and uh, as she was trying to gather her launch team, she consulted a pastor who had previously tried to expand services at a large church. And they were targeted at a more specific demographic which in, within a much larger congregation. And it ran for a while, but eventually they had to close the services. And, and he told her, as she was consulting him, he told her when they started the services, there was no shortage of people they found who wanted to preach. 
but they couldn't find anyone to push the button to flip the slides for worship. Praise God for Emma, amen? He encouraged her to find people that will push the button. Especially, essentially what he's telling her is look for faithfulness. The kind of faithfulness that carries out a task because it's been entrusted to you. Not because it's glamorous and not because it puts you in the spotlight. If you want to see God do big things through you, push the button that he's entrusted you with. Be faithful where he has placed you. We get a better picture of Samuel's heart as we see God speak to him. And it's such an interesting picture where God is speaking so audibly that Samuel presumes it's Eli, who in his old age probably called to Samuel from time to time, asking him for assistance. And three times this happens before Eli realized what's happening. And he tells Samuel to tell the Lord to speak, for your servant is listening. Faults aside, this is fantastic advice for both Samuel and anyone who wants to listen to the wisdom of this passage. And God's call invites Samuel to respond. And he does. His faithfulness in serving his mentor is now directed toward inviting God to speak whatever he has to say. And I love that when God speaks again, it says in verse 10, the Lord stood there calling as at other times. God's voice is accompanied by God's presence. And Samuel is submissive. He submits to God's voice and presence. And it's easy to wonder, as you read the passage, well, why wouldn't someone want to submit to God? Why wouldn't someone want to hear what God has to say until you keep reading? When God speaks, it's not always something we're going to want to hear. Not to mention, it's not always at a convenient time either. If you notice, Samuel's trying to sleep. But the first prophetic word Samuel receives is an oracle of judgment against his mentor. Is it any wonder that he didn't want to tell Eli? You know, God will speak encouragement, and God will speak correction. And if you don't believe me, read the prophets. Read Jesus. Read the Gospels. I'll give you an example. Book of Isaiah. Beautiful book. Drives me crazy. Because you will see oracles of really strong judgment right next to passages of encouragement and hope, side by side. Gospel of Luke, same thing. Some of the hardest words you'll ever hear from Jesus, challenging us to live the life he's called us to. Right next to beautiful pictures of God's grace coming to people like Zacchaeus the tax collector. The question is, what do we do when God speaks? If we only hear easy and pleasant things from God, 
where we only see those things in Scripture, chances are we're either being selective in what we listen to or read, or we're just not paying attention. As long as you have breath in your lungs, there is room to grow. And God will speak encouraging things, and God will also speak correction. That may not be so easy to digest. Because he is a holy God who loves us. And wants us to grow up and be like him. That's why both of those things are in the pages of scripture. And that's why both of those things will confront us as we listen to God. But when they do, we need to submit to God. His voice and his presence. But whether it's difficult or easy, whether it's encouraging or correction, God's voice is good for us. If we submit to it like Samuel does and accept what we hear, whether it's on the pages or whether it's a whisper in our ear, we'll find it be true what we see in Samuel. It tells us that the Lord was with Samuel, whose prophetic words continued to prove true. And all Israel recognizes Samuel as a prophet of the Lord. Samuel is transformed by God as he listens to God. He's transformed by God's word. Through God's word, Samuel goes from being a little boy priest to a prophet recognized by all the people. And this influence allows him to lead Israel at a critical time in their history as they transition to a monarchy. And the final verse of this chapter, in the very first part of chapter 4, summarize what God is doing with Samuel. It says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Notice it says, The Lord revealed himself through his word. God's voice is not just functional in the sense of getting things done, of checking boxes off the to-do list. It's relational. God doesn't just speak so we can be his servants or messengers, although that's, that's part of it, but primarily he speaks so that by his grace we can know him. And it's out of knowing him that we are empowered to do his work. That's why listening to his voice matters. That's why reading the pages of scripture matters. And it's out of this relationship with God, out of hearing God's voice and knowing God's presence that Samuel's ministry flows. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word goes to all Israel. That's how it works. Samuel's ministry is empowered because he began serving faithfully. And when he heard God, he submitted to his word. And in the process, he's transformed to be the judge and the prophet that Israel needs at this point in their history. As you go through the book, you'll see Samuel continue to operate in this relationship. In conversation with God. Allowing him 
to lead God's people and transition them to a monarchy, eventually anointing the king, out of whose line comes the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that guy didn't have the best resume either. The question is, do we want to be used by God? Do we want to know God? Do we want to reach our community? Do we want to bless others and meet their needs? Do we want to equip God's church and pour into others so that they can minister as well? I certainly hope so. Because that's what God wants us to do in partnership with him. But if that's what we want to do, then we need to listen when he calls. And we can put ourselves in the right position to be used by being faithful where he's placed us already. And this will help us to submit to him as he speaks and as we encounter his presence, which will shape us and transform us into who he wants us to be. And when that happens, we know him that much better and we become better instruments for others to know him as well. Let's continue worshiping.